All right. Amen. Thank you, Maddie. Yes. Uh, we thank you for uh, leading us in worship this morning. <laughs> All right. Hey, this is Jerry, and I have missed um, you guys over the past couple of weeks. I found myself, interesting, interestingly enough, this morning, just missing being at um, the Boys and Girls Club in Elizabethan. You know, you, we're used to seeing um, Anna and May um, and Sophie and Scarlett running around because they always have to be there early. And then here comes Cable and, you know, you never know where he's going to go and just taking off running around. That's just fun. And I missed that this morning. I also miss Preston Darling telling me how many points he had in his game this past week and how many threes that he hit and those kinds of things. So we really do miss you guys. Um, but we're excited that you're worshiping uh, with us this morning, even if it's um, sitting in front of a, a computer, a TV, or maybe even a phone uh, this morning. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to jump back in. I know um, Maddie prayed, but I want to pray over this text um, again. So Father, I thank you for um, just all of the people that are sitting in their kitchens and living rooms and dens and maybe on the front porch worshiping. I pray, God, that you would open up this passage to us and that it would truly speak to us as we learn what it means to be a Jesus follower. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Okay, so um, we're going to go ahead and jump in. And, and don't forget, Camp Redstone Kiddos, I need you all um, to be paying attention as well. There's a couple of different points that I'm going to make throughout the sermon today that's going to be specifically for Camp Redstone Kids. So just pay attention um, because these are things that you might want to discuss with your parents afterwards. So let's start off by just reading our passage, okay? So um, let me get my clicker working. And the passage this morning, if you have your um, if you have your guide with you, is coming from Matthew chapter nine, verses nine through thirteen. So Matthew chapter nine, verses nine through thirteen. Okay, I'll read this. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting um, at the tax booth, and he said to him, "Follow me." So there's those words, "Follow me." And he rose and he followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and with his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I came to call, uh, not call the righteous, but to sinners, to call sinners. So we're going to come back to that passage in a moment, um, but just reminding everyone of where we're at in this series. So this is a Come, Follow Me series. We went through Gospel 101, and now we're looking at what it means to truly follow Jesus. Um, a few weeks ago, Sam reminded us that um, religion can deceive us. There was this hard passage where Jesus looks at the people and he says, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who's in heaven. Um, so this, this idea of doing works and being religious and doing things in his name, whether that be teaching or going to church or whatever, you know, giving, um, they can deceive us and, and make us think that somehow we're secure in following Jesus when really 
um, our hearts may not truly be following Him. So that was a hard passage. And then last week he reminded us that our fellowship should mean that we follow Him no matter what the cost, we follow Him immediately, and we follow Him completely. So today we're going to continue with that. And we gave you a book recommendation. This is a book called Follow Me by David Platt. Um, if you have it, great. You might want to go back through it. And if you don't have it, you might want to consider ordering this because it's a great uh, supplement to um, our series. So today we're going to talk about following Jesus even when it can be uncomfortable. So I'm going to give you two truths, and then afterwards I'm going to give you two applications. So if you're following along with me, just know there's, there's going to be two truths, and then we're going to look at two applications. So let's go back through uh, the passage again, maybe a little bit slower this time. So as Jesus passed on from there, okay, so when it says that he passed on from there, let's go back and look at where Jesus had been up until this point. So he passed from there. He had just calmed the storm, okay, he crossed the sea, he found this gentleman that was uh, just filled with um, um, just demons, and he casts out the demons, and he sends them into pigs, and the pigs go jumping over the cliff. You'll remember that story. Um, and then he comes back across the sea, and he comes home, and he heals a paralytic. Okay, He was about his father's business. So Jesus is going from person to place to person and to place, and he's just doing the father's will. And here he is walking down the road, and he sees Matthew. Now, Matthew is often uh, called Levi as well. So if you see in Scripture Matthew or Levi, it's the same person. Uh, so Matthew is sitting at a tax booth. Okay, so he's a tax collector. Okay, um, tax collectors and sinners were oftentimes used synonymously in Scripture. Okay, because they were known to be extortioners. They were taxing people excessively uh, for their own gain. So when, when I saw that and when I think about that, I think about um, the uh, Walt Disney movie Robin Hood. Now it's not only a Walt Disney movie, but it to me is the absolute best Walt Disney movie ever made. It's amazing. I love it. I can sing every word to every song in the cartoon uh, with the fox um, of Robin Hood. But there was the mean sheriff of Nottingham, okay, and um, he was collecting taxes for King Richard. So he would collect the taxes for King Richard. This is the amount that goes to King Richard. And then this is a little extra for me to put in my pocket. And if you get a little extra and another little extra and another little extra, before you know it, you become a very wealthy person. So that was what was happening with the tax collectors. They were taxing not only you know, what the needs of the, you know, the king were, but also above and beyond so that they could uh, be wealthy. So Jesus looks at this tax collector, if you continue reading, and he says to him, follow me, and he rose and he followed him. Immediately, the fact that the tax collector just got up, you know, makes me think, well, why did he do that? What made Matthew get up and follow Jesus immediately? Was it the irresistible call of God on his life and the fact that the God of the universe is looking him in the eyes and say, come follow me? Well, yeah, probably so. Um, could there be more to it? Could this person who has all of the wealth that he could ever want, could he be desperate and miserable in his sinful state and be looking for something greater, something better, an answer to his dilemma? Well, yeah, probably so. Most people that are in this place of trying to find something to satisfy this hole in their heart find out that it just doesn't satisfy, and they find themselves miserable. 
And that's where Jesus can step in because he's the only one that can satisfy and fill that hole that is in our heart. So let's continue. Verse number 10, And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Okay, you might want to make a note. There's another uh, complimentary passage that goes along with this, and it's in Luke 5, Luke 5, 27 through 32. It's the same story, but it has a few additional details that we really need to pay attention to. So I'm going to read some of that, okay? Um, this is from Luke 5, 27 and following. It says, And Levi, again, or Matthew, made him a great feast in his house. Okay, so it's important for us to understand not only was Jesus going into a house, but he was going into Matthew's house. And, and Matthew had thrown him a feast. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. So to me, it's interesting, A, that Matthew opened up his home and he invited Jesus in. B, that Jesus went, okay? And then C, that Matthew also invited a bunch of his lost friends and co-workers, which we'll come back to in a bit. Okay, verse number 11, back to our passage. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They're clearly frustrated, okay? Going back to Luke, Luke takes the passage even a bit further. Instead of just directing their frustrations toward the disciples, they get so frustrated that they confront Jesus himself. Here's what they say. Why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? That's typical because in our flesh we get frustrated and we go to the other people and say, what does your teacher think that he's doing? Why is he doing this thing? Does he not know Ugh, and then they get more frustrated, and then eventually they go to the individual that they're frustrated with and say, what are you doing? Why are you doing what you're doing? And that's what's happening with the Pharisees, and is actually the scribes are mentioned in the Luke passage as well. Verse number 12, but when Jesus heard it, when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And then Luke adds sinners to repentance. Remember that repentance word. We change our mind. We understand I used to think this, and now I've realized that I was wrong. So my thinking changes the way that I live, and I go in actual different uh, direction than what I was going before. Okay, so here is uh, truth number one. Truth number one only those who are sick will call on a doctor and only those who know they are sinners will call on Jesus. Okay, Only those who are sick will call on a doctor and only those who know that they are sinners will call on Jesus. Now we discussed this at length when we went through Gospel 101 and O and the obstacle of sin. So we understand that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 says that we're all guilty, okay? In His perfection, in His holiness, in His righteousness, um, we've fallen short and we need a Savior. Um, so many people love religion and church, but they never really repent and become Jesus followers, gospel-believing Jesus followers, because they see that their religion and their works and their morality um, somehow make them worthy before God, or at least better than others, better than their neighbors. But it's not so. 
we've all fallen short. Our only hope is in Jesus. Remember, the law is given to us not to help us to become righteous, but to show us our need of a Savior. That's really, really important for us to understand. The law was never given to us to make us righteous before God. It was there to show us that we can't keep it and that we would call out and we would um, call out on the name of Jesus for a Savior. Okay, so in this case, I believe that this particular tax collector, he just knew that he was a mess. Uh, my guess is that he was absolutely guilt-ridden and he was ready to repent. And it took great humility, keyword, humility for a tax collector, a wealthy tax collector, to stand up, leave his tax collecting table, and go follow Jesus of Nazareth. That took great humility for him to do that. Okay, Camp Redstone Kids, humility. That's your word for the day, humility. When you can't do something, please be willing to ask for help. Okay, If you don't understand a problem or you don't know the meaning of a word, always be willing to go to your parents and always be willing to go to your teacher. Being willing to ask for help is a sign of humility. Scripture puts it this way. It says that God loves the humble, the people that have humility. But He opposes the proud. Um, so parents, I just encourage you to um, maybe have a talk with, with your kiddos about this, this term humility and, and what that might look like on a day-to-day -day basis um, in your home. Okay, truth number two. Truth number two. Typically, people don't and won't change until the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. You'll have to think about that one a little bit. Typically, people don't change until the pain of staying the same. I can't stay the same. If I continue to do the things that I'm doing and the way that I'm doing, I can't. I can't do that anymore. I, I'm now willing to change. So when they get to the point where I can no longer live the way that I'm living because I see the fruit of that and I see where that's leading me, if I continue this, I'm going to ruin my life. I'm going to waste my life. I'm going to lose uh, the people that I love the most or whatever. So you think about an alcoholic, you know, or you think about someone who has a gambling addiction, or you think about someone who struggles with pornography, or you think, think about someone who um, really struggles with credit card spending. Whatever it is, you know, Scripture says that a man is a, a slave to whatever has mastered him. And sometimes a sin or an addiction has mastered us. And we get to this point, hopefully, where we say, I can no longer do this anymore. I give up. And I throw up my hands, and I, and I cry out to God for help. And that's a good thing. That's when repentance will take place. When we humble ourselves, and we're broken, and we're contrite before the Lord, then um, we can actually see change uh, take place. I remember in a, in, personally, in, in 2011, I was already a believer. But I remember having a moment like that. And I, I won't go into all the details of it, but I sat up all night long and, and I prayed and I struggled and there was spiritual warfare that was there. And I just remember getting to the end of that night saying, no matter what I have to do, um, no matter who I have to confess to, um, no matter what, um, no matter what I lose, I know I cannot continue to live the way that I'm living right now. Um, there was a lot of more uh, religion and there was a lot of morality, but there was not this true um, gospel Jesus fellowship where I was abiding in Jesus. Um, and I couldn't do it anymore. 
and I cried out to the Lord. So anytime you find yourself in a place where you can't do it anymore and you cry out to the Lord, um, that's always, always a good thing. Okay, so let's move on. Why do you think that Jesus chose a tax collector? I encourage you to notice the economy of God, not just in this passage, but throughout all of the Scripture. The last will be first, and the first will be last. For example, He chose Jacob over Esau, even though Esau was older. He chose the youngest of the brothers to be Israel's first king. He sent angels to proclaim the fact that Jesus was going to be born to smelly shepherds. And now He's choosing fishermen. And he's even choosing a tax collector to be amongst the 12 individuals that would follow Jesus and even give their lives for the Jesus. And it's because of people like Matthew and Peter and so on and so forth that we are worshiping this morning on Facebook Live at Redstone Church Elizabethan. It's because of them, these, these people that I would have never chosen, that Jesus has chosen to follow Him. It's because of them we're standing on their shoulders and we are able to worship this morning. Consider this passage from 1 Corinthians 1, 26-29. Pay attention to this. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. That's the tax collectors. Despised in the world. Even things that are not to bring nothing, things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So when I read that, you know, my question is, do we see ourselves as having the answers, as being strong, as being important? If so, that may be our downfall. We may have just enough religion to be dangerous. Um, but it's the broken, the contrite, the lowly, the sick. And in this case, it's the sinner, the person who understands that they're a sinner, who knows that he or she um, is a sinner, that they will receive um, the gospel, the good news, the salvation that Jesus affords us. Okay, let's look back at a couple of definitions that I gave you three weeks ago. Simple definitions, but it's important that we look at these before we go into our application points. The first one, a disciple. Someone who follows Jesus and in doing so obeys His teachings. Okay? A disciple maker someone who is following Jesus and obeying His teaching and who shares the gospel with others to help them become Jesus' followers as well. Basic definitions, but in light of these definitions, we can step into our two application points uh, this morning. So application point or application question number one, are you and I willing to get uncomfortable for the gospel's sake? It's a simple question, but we're going to dig into that. Are we willing to get uncomfortable for the gospel's sake? Maybe more directly, will you and I love Jesus and the gospel enough to get to know others who are not like us? 
Do we intentionally strike up conversations with them? Um, are we willing to learn how to strike up conversations with people that are not like us? Okay, take it a step further. Would tax collectors and sinners ever invite you into their home or to their favorite restaurant or to their favorite hangout place? And if they did, would you go? Would I go? Okay, so we see here Jesus is our great example. So he's going after those who are lost and despise and in need of saving, but he literally seeks them out. I mean, I can see he, he's going about the Father's business and he's prayerful. Remember our passage from Colossians 4.2, remain steadfast in prayer and watchful in it with thanksgiving. So he's always watchful and he's praying and he's stepping in uh, when he sees that the Lord is um, the Father is opening up a door uh, for him, and we need to do the same thing. Uh, the second thing, not only did he share words with Matthew and have a conversation with him, but he also shared a meal with him and with his friends. Um, and he spent time with them. Time. It's one of the best gifts that we can give to anyone, to find ourselves in a place where we're not doing the things that we would normally do or that we would want to do because we're stepping in and we're spending time with people that are not like us. Um, that's a good thing. Okay, so I'm going back to my Camp Redstone kiddos uh, this morning. Hopefully they're sitting on the couch or they're sitting on the table and they're paying attention. So here's another um, application for you. When you are at school, okay, we encourage you to always be willing um, to be friends with people that others might actually make fun of. Okay? Be willing to play with others who need a friend. You know, you know who they are. You see people in your class or you see people in your neighborhood and they seem to be alone or they struggle with finding friends. Be willing to step into those individuals and to a relationship with them and spend time with them. Uh, it's one of the ways that we can love God is by loving other people who are not like us. Even though I would rather be playing hide-and-go-seek with my buddies, you know, I see this, this kid over here, and he just never has anybody to play with. One of the ways that we can love God is by going and spending time with them and playing with them. Okay, now, and for adults, um, if we want to take this to an even more uncomfortable level, let, let's look at another passage, okay? I'm going to read this passage to you from Luke chapter 7, but I encourage you to go look at it yourself. Luke chapter 7, verses 33 and 34, when we're talking about what's, to what steps would be we, we'd be willing uh, to be uncomfortable for the gospel's sake. Look at this. Luke 7, 33 through 34. I'm just going to read it to you. For John the Baptist has come eating and drinking no bread and drinking no wine. Okay? I have to make a point of clarity here just to make sure that you see it. He's talking about John the Baptist, but he says no bread and drinking no wine. So he's, when he says drinking, he's talking about wine here. Um, and then it goes on to say that you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. There's our tax collectors again, and there's our sinners again. And Jesus is the one who said this. He said, you're looking at John the Baptist and you're calling him names when he wasn't even eating or drinking. He didn't even drink wine. You know, but I'm coming in and I'm spending time with tax collectors and sinners and you're calling me a drunkard and, um, and um, a sinner. Or a, a sinner and a drunkard. A glutton and a drunkard. Okay, so the implications of this passage can make us really uncomfortable. 
um, in the same way that it made the religious officials uncomfortable, the Pharisees and the scribes. I'm just reading the passage as it is, but there are some parts of this passage that make us go, no, no, that's not right. That's not fitting. That's what we say in East Tennessee. The, you know, that's not what Jesus was doing. And the question is, why does that make us uncomfortable? Why did it make the scribes and the Pharisees uncomfortable? You know, they were, they were looking at the, uh, the disciples and saying, what in the world does your teacher think he's doing? Jesus, what do you think you're doing? So for us, the question is, are we willing to spend time with these people or do we look at it and say, no, I'm not going to go spend time with them because it's not right, okay? She cusses or he smokes cigarettes or if I go into their home, I know that they're going to be drinking wine or whatever. And if we're looking at those situations and saying, no, I'm not willing to step into that because, and whatever you fill that blank with as your because, I just, I feel that we're missing some opportunities there, okay? So not only does Jesus go after the tax collector and spend time talking with him, he steps into his home, he goes into a place where at the table there's definitely wine, okay? And he's hanging out with these tax collectors and these sinners. Um, that's going to make some people uncomfortable, and the question that is before us today is to what degree would we be willing to be uncomfortable for the cause of the gospel? Now, must we be careful here? Absolutely. Do we need to use discernment? Absolutely. Um, do we want to avoid the very appearance of true evil? Absolutely. So there's another sermon here somewhere. We're not going that deep you know, into those implications. But the question is, should we be willing to be uncomfortable for the gospel's sake? Emphatically, absolutely. Learning to be uncomfortable for the gospel's sake will change our lives. It'll make us more compassionate for others when we get to know people that are not like us. And it'll also give us what I call gospel boldness. Um, I've been doing this for the past few years myself. I've been trying it. I've been saying, you know what? I'm only comfortable with people that are a lot like me. Um, I need to find a way to rub shoulders with people that are not like me. I didn't know exactly how to go about doing it, so I just began doing it. I set aside some time on Wednesdays, and, um, and I would go, establish relationships with them. Best decision I've ever made. Um, some of those people are actually watching this morning. They are my friends, and I love them uh, dearly. Uh, being willing to be uncomfortable with people that are not like you, it's a great thing. Um, application, um, oops, I'm going the wrong way. Application point number two discipleship application question, to what degree would I be willing to go to reach my lost friends, co-workers, or family members with the gospel? To what degree would I be willing to go to reach my lost friends, co-workers, or family members with the gospel? So notice what Matthew did. Okay, He threw a feast. He made sure that Jesus was there, and he invited his lost friends in. Okay, so ask yourself, Am I willing to invite people to watch Redstone Church Elizabethan online or through a group invite? It's a simple, simple thing to do. Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to put in my phone on Fridays or Saturdays a reminder that I need to reach out and invite people that are not following Jesus um, to come you know, join us online on a Sunday morning? Am I willing to invite lost people into my home once we get through this season of social um, 
distancing, okay? Would I be willing to invite those people into my home? Would I be willing to speak the name of Jesus to people that are far from Him? Matthew 3.8 puts it this way, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Okay, so going back to Sam's message from two weeks ago, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, but it's when we obey Him that we bear fruit. And this tax collector immediately opening up his home and inviting his lost friends in, that is fruit. So if we truly believe the gospel, um, we must change the way that we live and interact uh, with the lost, or our belief is only in our head. Okay, then it's not in our hearts. Romans 10.9 says it this way, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. The belief that puts us into a place where we're willing to be uncomfortable for the gospel comes in our hearts. When we understand what Jesus has done in our hearts, it makes us say, you know what? I don't care if they're like me or not. I'm willing to step into this relationship because I know what Jesus has done in my life and I know the grace and the mercy that I received and these people need that same grace and mercy and I'm available and I'm going to step into it and I'm going to try to give it to them in the best way that I possibly can. Um, this is why Jesus says, and He ends by saying, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He doesn't say, you know, I need more religious works and traditions. He doesn't need any more animals to be sacrificed on the altar. Rather, He desires love and mercy, and for this mercy to flow out of us to other people, even people who are not like us. We have to be willing to be uncomfortable for the gospel's sake. We receive the gospel by, by faith, but now it's our job to give it away to others, which includes the tax collectors in your life and the tax collectors in my life. Okay. At this point, if we were in the Boys and Girls Club, I would get your feedback. I would ask what the Lord's saying to you and what the Lord's doing um, in your heart. So just ask yourself that question right now. What is Jesus saying to me in this passage and in this message? The people that are closest to you, the people that really know you, would they say that the behavior in your life most aligns with um, the tax collector or the Pharisees or with Jesus in this passage. Um, we need to find out where we're at before we can know where we need to go. Conclusion, um, remember only those um, who recognize they are sick will call on a doctor. There are people that might be watching this morning that truly might be spiritually sick and they might only now be recognizing that. Um, if so, acknowledge it. Um, we'll give you a phone number. You can you know, text um, and, and we'll reach out to you. But the, the answer is always going to be call upon the name of Jesus. Call upon the name of Jesus for salvation. Um, a lot of us won't change until the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of change. So if our response is, I've got this, then pride will be our downfall. So we implore you to humble yourself. There's that word again, humility. Humble yourself, repent, and believe the gospel message because Jesus came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And church, not just Redstone Church, but the church universal. Um, I implore all of us to do a better job of loving people that are not like us, to be willing to get uncomfortable for the gospel's sake. 
when people begin to invite you and I in to their space, whether that be their home or their favorite restaurant or their favorite hangout place, then we'll know that we're getting uh, somewhere. But let's also be willing to invite them into our homes, into our space as well, once we can, once life gets back uh, to normal. Time for us to step into prayerful reflection. So as we pray and as I uh, lead us in a prayer, think about who is a tax collector in your life or a sinner in your life, someone far from Jesus in your life that you need to be willing to step into a relationship with or to reach out to, or to FaceTime, or to call this week. Um, how can you and I be willing to be intentional in rubbing shoulders with people that are not like us? What can I do? How can I begin to do that and make that a normal rhythm in my life? And then what is Jesus asking each of us individually um, and at Redstone Church Elizabethan to do with this passage? Um, I'm going to close with some prayer, but when I do, I ask that everyone that's a part of Redstone Church Elizabethan and hopefully everyone else just stay on the line because we have um, some um, important announcements that relate to Easter that we need you to hear. So let me pray for us. Uh, Father, we thank you for this passage, and I pray that it would change us. Lord, the Word of God is active. Um, and it has the ability to change the way that we think and therefore change the way that we live. And Father, I pray that we would not be complacent with our day-to-day -day rhythms, but that you would um, put in us this desire to reach out to and to engage with individuals that are far from you. Who are the tax collectors in our lives that we need to be willing to be uncomfortable with for the sake of the gospel and true Jesus fellowship? Um, prick our hearts, uh, change us. Lord, show us where we need to change. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.